the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we are underway. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer, wherever you might be, however you might be listening today. And there are so many choices, too. Seriously. Uh, you gotta, you gotta find us somewhere, uh, and, and share this with other people. I continue to meet people in public who did not know how they could listen to this program. They say sometimes where they live, the reception isn't the best. Sometimes uh, they just can't figure out how to listen. And I'm telling them, you don't have to be around a radio anymore. It's a new century. <laughs> it's the second decade in. They're now actually the third, third decade into the new century, for goodness sakes. By all means, however you're listening, you can do it on the radio. But you can do it also on your computer at whkradio.com. You can also do it on your phone with our free mobile app, AM1420, The Answer. You can also do it with, uh, do it, uh, by way of your, um, uh, personal assistant device in your home, your Alexa or your, uh, Google, uh, Google app, or I'm sorry, Google Home Assist. I don't like promoting Google, but it's there. By the, uh, uh, streaming services, radio.com, iHeartRadio, and others. You can find us pretty much everywhere. So wherever you are and however you're listening, whether it's live or if you're listening to it later on podcast form, thank you so much for being here. It is a Wednesday, the very first morning of the last month of the year of our Lord, 2021, and we have a lot of very important work to do today. Not nearly as important as the work being done by the Supreme Court, as they will hear arguments, which apparently they're going to hear arguments <clears throat> over people sneezing. Um they're going to hear arguments over the case that could be the deciding case for the first chance in a generation, a legitimate chance to overturn Roe versus Wade when the court hears Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. What will they do? 
Will they settle for an incremental ruling that upholds a Mississippi ban on abortion after 15 weeks, or will it overturn its misguided precedents and return the regulation of abortion to legislatures in the states? That's the question. As phrased by the Wall Street Journal editorial board, we're going to talk in some depth about that, and I want your thoughts. And moreover, maybe you heard it during the um, run-up to the program here just a few minutes ago from Dr. Albert Moeller in that commentary from Town Hall. Um, we want your prayers. We want your prayers more than we want your comments and your phone calls. We want your prayers. That's what it's going to take right now. Pray that God's grace uh, will shine down upon the, the justices in the Supreme Court. Pray that uh, uh, they are granted the wisdom to see the error of, of mankind's ways when it comes to the number of, of lives that have been just snuffed out needlessly um, with reckless disregard over the course of these last several decades since 1973. More than just talking about it, pray about it very seriously. We're going to talk about that coming up in just a bit. Also on the program this morning, guest-wise, coming up at 1010, we're going to talk with Dr. Lee Merritt, uh, who is going to be speaking... Uh, tonight uh, to the Ohio Freedom Fighters in Medina about medical exemptions to vaccine mandates. Very big. The Ohio Freedom Fighters uh, joining up with the John Birch Society to bring in Dr. Lee Merritt and also Dr. Carrie Madej, if I'm saying the name correctly. Uh, and they're going to be educating on religious exemptions and the freedoms that are being violated along with uh, many others, other things associated with receiving the jab. So we're going to be talking. They spoke last night at the church on North Coast uh, in Valley View. Uh, and they're going to be speaking tonight in Medina at the Ohio Freedom Fighters meeting uh, on Stone Road in Medina. So we're going to talk to Dr. Merritt about that at 1010. Very important as we continue to fight for our own liberties to choose our own um, uh, medical treatment. And then uh, also coming up in the second hour, we'll talk about some of these things with Jonas Schultz, who is a congressional candidate. He wants to be the nominee for the Republican Party. Uh, for Ohio 16, the uh, seat being vacated by the turncoat Anthony Gonzalez. Of course, we all know Max Miller is also a candidate for that seat, so a very, very tough Republican primary between a couple of good conservatives, and Jonas Schultz is going to join us to talk about that race and his thoughts on where we are at 10.35 this morning. So I welcome you at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110 to join us primarily in the first hour and pick your spots in the second hour. But I definitely want to get your thoughts on those things in addition to discussing the matters with our guests. Right now, I would like you to start our show the way you always do and the way we always do, and that is to rise and join us for the Pledge of Allegiance. If you would, wherever you may be, stand, put your hand on your heart, have a look at a flag nearby if you have one. If you don't, that's okay. Close your eyes and envision old glory waving in the breeze. If you are a leftist, go ahead and close your eyes and picture Colin Kaepernick kneeling at the side and disrespecting um, our flag and all of those who died to protect her. Uh, join him in spirit because we know where you are, liberal Democrats. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So this is where we are. As I, uh, I want to get into this in a little bit of depth here. Uh, in the open. The Supreme Court will indeed hear now the most important abortion case in many, many years, maybe uh, since Roe itself 
in, in 1973. And the question is how they will work their way through this, uh, this, this problem. Uh, the Wall Street Journal calls it a thicket that they never should have entered 50 years ago. Will they settle for an incremental ruling, as I noted before, <clears throat> that upholds Mississippi's ban on abortion after 15 weeks, or will it go the full way, the whole way, and overturn the misguided precedents uh, and return the regulation of abortion to the states? to legislatures in the states. Um, Eric Erickson notes that no reasonable reading of the American Constitution, and if you are a constitutional scholar or even if you just read it a couple of times, you probably understand this. There is nothing in the Constitution that suggests that the right uh, to federalize abortions or the right for people to kill babies that are preborn exists within the Constitution. In fact, the plain reading of the Constitution, Constitution suggests there is no abortion right at all, much less one broken down into the nomenclature of trimesters. No state can ban abortion in the first. Uh, states can impose restrictions during the second, and states can prohibit in the third with reasonable exceptions. That doesn't exist in the American Constitution. And if the justices are truly doing their jobs and and uh, interpreting the Constitution here and interpreting the law that allows um, you know this this horrific practice to be broken down in such ways if they are interpreting the Constitution they will absolutely declare this to be unconstitutional and the federal right to abortion will disappear and it will indeed be up to the states legislatures to determine um what can and cannot be done and and quite frankly this is a very rudimentary and elementary explanation of our system of government but isn't this something that should be decided by legislatures anyway rather than judiciaries that's the point here this should be decided by the by the representatives of the people that are elected and sent to their local or to their state legislatures to decide what represents them and what values are important to them. To have the state legislators, the direct representatives of the people, just completely bypassed here by federal uh, uh, federal courts is is just insane. And that's very, like I said, elementary. But the, there's a reason why in our in our three three branch uh, uh, system of government, all of them separate but co equal. There's a reason why it's the legislators that are called the representatives. We don't call the executives our representatives. We don't call the judges our representatives. We call the legislators representative because they are the people that we send there to do our will, to do our bidding to do what we believe is right for our, our city, states, and, and quite, quite obviously for our country. In the New York Times, you find this analysis. At the core of our legal system, you will find a promise that human beings should be protected from lethal violence. That promise is made in different ways by the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. It's there in English common law, in the Ten Commandments, in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. We dispute how the promise should be enforced, what penalty should be involved if it is broken, and what crimes might deprive someone of the right to life. But the existence of the basic right and a fundamental duty not to kill is pretty close to bedrock. This was from a Ross Dutat, and um, again a pronunciation there, in the New York Times in an op-ed. And I think that could very well speak for 
the vast majority of us, that whatever you believe about you know, parental rights, whatever you believe about personal health care, and I need to be very, very, very clear here on that, that is a misnomer. That is a, um, uh, that is a, a garbage argument that is made by pro-abortionists about, hey, a woman's right to her reproductive health care, a woman's right to decide what she does with her body is personal health care is a personal health care decision that the government should have no say in. Understand that that is complete. Uh, you know, it's a straw man almost because we're not talking about her body. We're talking about the body of the other person involved in the situation, the body of the child which has just as much of a right to not be murdered and killed as the mother does in any other circumstance. The right to protect people from lethal violence is bedrock in the core of our legal system. And the left will say, no, this is personal health care. And then they'll jump on this, which is why I need to be so clear, and say that we conservatives who are pro-life and who do and who want Roe versus Wade to be uh, to be erased uh, from our from our consciousness? We want it to be gone. They'll say we're hypocrites because we want the right to our own health care decisions when it comes to uh, non vaccination profit shots. We keep saying my body, my choice. They keep saying my body, my choice. Who's being hypocritical and who's being consistent here? And the answer should be very plain and obvious. Healthcare is literally, literally, when you are talking about your own body and whether or not you want to take a cold tablet for a cold, whether you want to get a flu shot during flu season, whether you want to have that surgery to repair that bum knee, or whether you want to take a toxin into your body to help potentially inoculate you against a virus. Those are personal choices that affect nobody but your own. The hypocrisy comes from the pro-abortionists who continue to say, well, what about my body? It's my body, my choice when I'm pregnant. And the answer, of course, is no, it isn't, because it's not your body that's going to be dismembered by a scalpel inserted inside of you or ripped apart by tongs or melted with an acid. I mean, and I'm, I'm sorry to be graphic on these kinds of things, but all of the different manners in which abortions are performed, much less the most horrific in the third trimester and the partial birth abortions, um, no, it is not your body that is being tortured and mutilated and discarded in that procedure. That is a different body. That is someone else's body who has every right to that protection that you do. And again, going back to Dr. Moeller here to wrap this for now, This is a massive, massive week in constitutional law. It's going to be a massive week when it comes to the Constitution itself, as well as human rights, human dignity, and the future of this country. Dr. Moeller says very directly, watch closely and pray. And I could not echo that any more sincerely. It's going to take our prayers. This is what a lot of us have been waiting for. Didn't know if it would ever come. There is a supposed 6-3 to conservative pro-life majority on the Supreme Court. It's why the fight to stop having Amy Coney Barrett seated and to have Brett Kavanaugh seated and to have Neil Gorsuch seated, it's why it was such a bloody battle, particularly in the Kavanaugh case, but they all faced just 
extraordinary opposition from the American left. And why? Because they identified at that time that these justices, these these proposed nominated justices, could be a threat to the uh, the 1973 decision to allow women to have their babies murdered uh, from within their own wombs. And that's it. They tried to declare Brett Kavanaugh to be a, ser- a serial gang rapist. They did. They tried to declare him unfit to serve on the court by making up stories about things that he did 30 years ago. Why? Did they really care about that? Did they care about his view on any other matters? No, it was all about Roe. It is all about the right to murder babies out of convenience. That's it. They did the same thing to Amy Coney Barrett. Oh, my gosh. If they allow these Trump justices to be seated, the first time a case involving abortion makes it to the court, Roe is going to be in jeopardy. I would very much like to prove them right. I would very much like for them to have been prescient in this situation, that they fought so hard even to the point of cheating and lying about the careers, the the lives, the character of those nominees for the Supreme Court. I would like to think that they had a real reason to fear this, because this majority now is going to do the right thing by life. By life. By infant lives. By pre-born lives. Um, I hope that 6-3 to three majority holds. I do have my doubts and I do, do have my fear, particularly as it pertains to the head of the court, the Chief Justice, John Roberts, who was elected to be, or excuse me, not elected, these are unelected positions, of course, who was selected by George W. Bush to be a true constitutional originalist, not an activist, not a legislator wearing a robe, just to be an originalist. In the same way that all of the other conservative uh, appointees to that court have all been selected to be originalists, to, to govern by or to make decisions by the Constitution, not by changing it and making it a living, breathing, changing document based on the times. That's what the activist judges do, the ones who are appointed by the liberal Democrats. But John Roberts, the Chief Justice, has not always done that since he, he was appointed and nominated and confirmed as the Chief Justice, he has not always done that the right thing. He has not always stayed with the Constitution. He has gone activist. He did so in the, in the cases of same-sex marriage, particularly in the case of same-sex marriage, and in greenlighting the mandate for people to have to buy health insurance under penalty of federal law. That's right, Ob- Obamacare. So he has turned away from the Constitution before. I'm going to pray that if he does it again, that everyone else holds steady and that it's at least still a five to four majority in favor of life rather than death. But that's where we are. I welcome your thoughts. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. It's called Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, and it could change this country. We'll be right back.
Okay, it's 928. Let's get a couple of phone calls going here to start this up. We're going to be guest-free until 10 o'clock as we talk about this very important issue. Uh, then at 1010, we're going to be talking with um, Dr. Lee Merritt and then also Jonas Schultz at 1035. So let's get this going with Brian in Cleveland. Brian, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Good morning. Real quick. Hey, I was uh, I was trucking back up 90. I went out to go around this semi right about the time your uh, Pledge of Allegiance was at the... Uh, um, for uh, for which it stands, one nation under God. Part I look over at this other driver. He's got his hand on his heart. And I gave him a thumbs up. He hollered on the radio. He didn't say hell yeah. He said the other conjurative. But he's like heck yeah. I listened to Bob Brand. Wow. So yeah, <laughs> that's that was such a solid. Great story. I, that was I love that. Cool. Thank you. Thank but what you I told sure uh, what I told Marcy I called for was you know the left's all about this my body my choice garbage except when it comes to the jab. So but when I want to have an abortion, it's my body my choice. But if, unfortunately, you end up killing a pregnant person, you get caught with two bodies on that. So what happens there? That is a great point. That is one that is understated. Some people pointed out, you know, and, and, and it's rare, obviously, but, yeah, a pregnant woman is shot and, and the child dies, too. It's double murder. It is not one body. It is two murders to, considered to be two separate persons who were killed. How can it be federal law that that person can be murdered uh, by by a criminal, but if a doctor goes inside and rips right. it limb from limb and kills it, that's not murder? That that child now suddenly doesn't have living living rights. That's a great point that you make. It's disgusting. It is every bit of that. Brian, thank you for have the a call. great one, Bob. I appreciate Thanks. it. Thank you. Thank you for that story too. You know, like I told you, I see people in public all the time when I give speeches or even just out shopping. I see people all the time who recognize my voice if they hear me talking with my family and hey, you're Bob France, aren't you? They say to me, Bob, I say the pledge with you every day. I stand for it. I put my hand on my heart for it. And like I've said before, if you're driving, you can't stand, but you can sure as heck drive with your left hand (laughs) and put your hand on your heart. And I hear people tell me these things all the time. It's even better to get a testimonial from somebody on the highway who saw it happen and who did it himself. That's great, Brian. Thank you. Um, All right. Um, If you're on hold, stay there. I did want to go to more calls here, but it is 930, so let's keep on the clock. We'll get our news. On the flip side, I'll come right back to you. If you're on hold, stay there. If you're not on hold, get there at 216-901-0945. Right back. Courtesy of the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 936, we continue, AM 1420, The Answer. It's uh, Wednesday, first morning of uh, December. Appreciate you being with us. Huge news yesterday as well. Well, we hope it will lead to huge news. Um, Bills undertaken in the United States, or excuse me, in the Ohio Senate down in Columbus. Um. This is this is a big moment. This is a big moment. Bills included uh, House Bill 218, the one sponsored by Representative Al Catrona from Canfield. It's not quite the same as House Bill 248, which I thought was stronger and lasted forever, by the way, sponsored by Jennifer Gross, but that one was killed. House Bill 218 now was heard. It already passed the House, and now was heard in the Senate. 
as they begin discussion of uh, this bill, which would prohibit schools, colleges, and employers from requiring any vaccine that has not been fully FDA approved. Of course, we all know that the Pfizer uh, non-vaccine shot uh, has been given that approval kind of, sort of, through its brand name of Comirnaty, which may or may not be the brand that is being used in the United States. But at any rate, uh, this bill would also let students and employees seek exemptions for any such vaccine requirements for medical contraindications, including natural immunization, meaning having already been infected by or close contact with COVID-19, they have antibodies, they don't need to have this uh, these uh, uh, profit shots. Also, reasons of conscience or religion would be acceptable, and that means you just have to truly believe it's not for you. Uh, they could do so by submitting a written statement, uh, although the exemptions for medical reasons or having been uh, infected would require additional documentation, including those antibodies. But simply put, this legislation, according to Alcatrona, expands exemptions. That's what it does. And the only problem with this is that the uh, bill, if it passes and becomes law, would sunset in 2025. I don't like that. I wish it was something that would be going in perpetuity. But it would also prohibit requiring anyone to show proof of one of the shots or a round of the shots to enter a public or private facility or to receive a public or private service. It would also extend through June of neck of 2023, rather, the now lapsed allowance for qualified immunity for health care providers in case COVID-19 is transmitted during care as well. So there's uh, there's a lot of good in this bill. It's not perfect, but there's a lot of good in this bill. And this one was uh, taken up yesterday in the Senate. It has already passed the House by a 58 to 32 margin with no Democratic support. And it was introduced to the Senate now uh, on November 23rd, and they took it up yesterday. So we'll see where this goes and how this develops. Uh, meantime, we'll get back to the issue of overturning Roe versus Wade and the most uh, significant challenge to that to, to hit the Supreme Court in more than a generation. It's Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization in Mississippi. It could lead to the overturning of the uh, Roe versus Wade decision in 73. We'll go now to Fairview. Larry, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for hanging in, Larry. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. How are you today? Uh, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate all you do. Thank you, sir. Uh, hey, I've been wondering for a long time now. You know, the left doesn't seem to care where they get their votes from, whether it be illegal, illegals, uh, people in prison, um, Dead people, doesn't matter where they get them from, right? When are they going to realize that they've been killing a whole voting block for almost 50 years in, in aborting babies? Yeah, well, you know, they don't, they don't see, it's funny, they, they play the long game, which you just described, <clears throat> when it comes to illegals and allowing people to come to this country, uh, basically saying sooner or later we're going to get them citizenship, and sooner or later they will thank us for doing so by voting for us. So they're willing to play the long game there. But you're right when it comes to the long game when it comes to abortion and knowing that all of these babies that they are allowing to be aborted are potential future votes. In that case, they don't. They, they play the short game, and they say the only thing that matters to, in this case is who's voting for us right now. And it's all of those people who don't mind dead babies being discarded in waste bins in Planned Parenthood clinics. Uh, they care about the votes that are coming in right now with them. So you're right. It's kind of a kind of a... You know, it's kind of an inconsistent approach. They're looking in the long game in one case, but not in the other. Yeah, they, uh, you know, if they get the, them on the dole, you know, they're going to be voters for life, just like, you know, maybe their parents or whoever. 
You know? Yeah, and you know, and and the sad thing, and thanks for the call, my friend. The sad thing is, and, and this is, I, I don't want to call it misinformation. That's a term that the left uses far too often. It's just something that maybe is misunderstood. Is there a majority of uh, abortions that are obtained by poor women who feel they can't afford another baby? Um, and, you know, they're on the government dole, as you say, and they're the ones getting abortion. Yeah, I think I think if you study the breakdown of the number of, of, of people who, number of women who have had abortions, yeah, it's, it's generally people who are poorer, less educated, poverty-stricken in some cases, and, and maybe in others, you know, worst-case scenarios, maybe addictions uh, affecting them and so on and so forth. But there are a lot of women who choose abortion who are not poor, they're not uh, unable to care for a child. They just don't want to. They just don't want to. It's inconvenient. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How did I get pregnant again? My, well, got to go take care of this. I'm not going to give up my lifestyle such as it is. And I don't care if it's one dedicated to promiscuity and dating and one-night stands that sometimes lead to these kinds of unexpected and unplanned things because we're being unsafe and so forth. But I'm not giving up my lifestyle now and, 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 and chaining myself to this anchor that's called a child that I have to care for. No way. Don't, don't mislead yourself into thinking that it's always just impoverished women who are at their wits' end and they don't know what to do. And the, the, the father of the child, the baby daddy that impregnated them, bolted as soon as they found out she was pregnant. So now she's got no choice but to, to have an abortion. It's not always that way. That's number one. And number two... Um, oftentimes it's the reverse. Oftentimes you'll see younger and somewhat poor or impoverished women who are on the dole who know that having another baby increases the size of that check the moment that new baby is born. And oftentimes they'll have three or four or five that they're not caring for, but they're having in the house, giving the basic minimum standards to survive because they're getting a bigger check from that dole, if you will, getting a bigger check from the government, which they can then use for, well, we have seen, sadly, too many times, uh, you know, other things other than the care of the child. So it's a, it's a complicated, very layered situation here. But I don't want to cast aspersions, and I don't want to certainly... Uh, you know, use generalities to describe uh, all of the women who choose abortion. What we need to do is just try to educate as much as humanly possible. And that's, by the way, we did a campaign last month for preborn, which is so big, so big, such an organ is such a great organization. I had somebody send me an email yesterday, no, uh, Monday, who said, Bob, tomorrow's the day of giving, and I'm thinking about writing a sizable check to preborn. Are they legit? And I had to give, I responded to that email with a very strong personal endorsement of the pre-born organization, which provides free ultrasounds for women who may be abortion-minded. Because an enormous percentage of women who are thinking about getting abortions, who have an ultrasound and who see and hear that heartbeat and see the baby inside of them, it, it, it just, it's like a spark, a divine spark goes off within them. And they see and they say, oh my God, I cannot kill my baby. And it saves lives. Preborn is a great organization, a great organization uh, to support. Uh, so that's exactly what I told the would-be donor, and I'll tell you again right now. There are great groups out there looking to save lives.
But let's hope that uh, Roe versus Wade, uh, the overturning of Roe versus Wade, rather, also saves lives. That's what we're talking about as we go to Westlake. Charlie, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for taking the call again. Great show. This is probably the most important day in many of our lives. 65 million babies have been killed. I used to stand out in front of the abortion clinics. I'd say half of those girls were being forced to have abortions by their boyfriends, by their fathers, by their mothers. They didn't want abortions, a lot of them. They just were being forced. And this will end that. I've thought about this a lot, though. We are going to have to beef up adoption big time because we're going to have another half a million babies born, and we need to make sure those babies are taken care of. We need to, like, give tax incentives for adoption. Just wanted to know what you thought. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, you make great points, Charlie, and thank you for the phone call. Um, as as to the the part about girls or or particularly younger girls or younger women being forced by boyfriends or husbands or parents or whatever the case, yeah, it certainly does happen. They they won't admit it, of course. Um, and a lot of times it's just the opposite. They don't even tell the parents because they don't want to get into trouble, and they go and 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 schedule their own appointments themselves. Um, so the circumstances uh, vary for everyone. Uh, the two things I want to say in response to what you just said, though, are, number one, you say this would stop that. No, it won't. No, it won't. If the Supreme Court rules favorably in this case, and Roe versus Wade is essentially rendered null and void, it doesn't stop abortions. It just says the states will decide. There will still be state legislatures that can vote and, 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 and you know pass laws that say absolutely abortion is protected in our state. Or you could have a more conservative uh, uh, majority of a state legislature who would outlaw abortion in their state. And that is already going on. Um, but, you know, of course, the federal law uh, in Roe versus Wade essentially supersedes that. So... If Roe versus Wade is essentially struck down, it just means that the decision is reverted to the states and in the legislature, which is where it should be. But that doesn't mean it's an end to abortion. Uh, and finally, the last point you mentioned about uh, adoption, I could not agree more. Uh, we have to we have to strengthen the adoption system. I think more needs to be done to go out there and potentially recruit potential adoptive parents, as you say, whether it's with tax exemptions or tax deductions or, or whatever the case might be. I don't know. I haven't given it a ton of thought, but I agree with you because I've said this many times on this program. I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, breaking new ground here when I say this, but... The only reason you're listening to this radio show right now, the only reason, is because a woman decided adoption over abortion. Um, that's that's the reality. My birth mother, uh, at age 19, uh, was given the option to have an abortion um, pre-Roe v. Wade. This is pre-1973. I'm aging myself there, but I don't care. But before Roe v. Wade, you had to have a very certain medical uh, uh, clearance from a doctor, a medical order essentially saying, yes, this is a threat to you and you are allowed to have this abortive procedure um, to my 19-year-old birth mother. And my 19-year-old birth mother, who was not allowed to have that baby and live in her very strict father's home in the mid-1960s, um, chose to have that baby and give that baby away rather than have that baby killed. And because she chose to give that baby away, um, you're listening to this radio show. So, yes, adoption is extraordinarily important.
Um, BJ, North Olmsted. Hey, BJ, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Thank you, Bob. I'd like to um, make a comparison here. If they continue with the abortion of uh, the unborn, you can look for euthanasia of seniors because there's too many of them drawing money from the government. That's why they are talking about giving $144 back call for your insurance and all this other stuff. Seniors are getting to be a major expense, and there's a lot of them that are in senior centers right now. So if the abortion of killing babies is going on, the, dis- the elimination of seniors that are unable to function will be next. The party of death seems to enjoy finding ways to terminate life. So be aware. Before this year is out, you're going to start hearing more about euthanasia and giving people a peaceful way out of their suffering. So the party of death is not done yet with killing. Be aware of it, and thanks for your time, Bob. Thank you, uh, BJ. I appreciate the phone call, and yeah, that has been a been a concern for a long time. I'm old enough to remember. Maybe you are too, and in fact, I'm sure you are. the um, uh, The conversation in the 2008 elections, if you recall, Governor Sarah Palin talking about death panels that would be created uh, with full government-run health care, and how they would decide what seniors can have and what they can't have, and whether or not we should continue to try to 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 provide treatment for them so they can live longer with their serious illnesses and their serious diseases and their serious maladies, or should we just make them comfortable as they slowly fade away? Remember the death panels in that discussion? I do. And yes, they were still supported then and are now by the party of death, as you call it, BJ. I think you're you're uh, spot on. Uh, John and Chardon. Hello, John. You're on AM 1420. The answer. Go ahead, sir. <clears throat> uh, John, are you there? Okay, there. I got you. Good. Yeah, yeah. I received an email that uh, on Thursday, December 16th at 6 p.m. in Willoughby Hills at the uh, Kristen Gilla, there's, there's going to be an event. And uh, you're uh, you're uh, going to be there. Is that I am. is that true? Yes, oh, I am. Okay. Yeah, All right, uh, it's well. it's going to be a great event. It's a it's a Christmas gala, as you say. I mean, it, yes, it is a celebration of Christmas, but there are going to be some political figures there as well, conservative political figures and candidates, uh, including uh, Jim Renacci, gubernatorial candidate, Max Miller, uh, 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 House uh, uh, candidate in the Republican uh, uh, primary there, uh, as well as. Um, Oh, Bernie Moreno from the Senate race. They're going to be there, and I think yeah, yeah. I think Mike Gibbons is going to be there as well, and I have been asked yeah. to, to give the keynote address that evening, and so, yes, sir, I will be doing that. Yeah, you know, that was a powerful story that you just told, a personal story about your life and how you came to be and all. And yeah. it's well, heartfelt, heart, well, heartfelt thank, story. And thank you for listening to it, um, John. I... Uh, I've told it before, uh, you know, particularly, you know, each year around the time we do the preborn campaign, because this is this is literally what it's all about. And, you know, saving lives and choosing life because you never know what life you are snuffing out. You have no idea. You know, people like to say, well, you know, if if and thank you for the call, John, I'm going to wrap here. Um, People like to say, well, you know, uh, who's to say that the person who was going to discover the cure for cancer wasn't aborted? Um, because it was a life that didn't matter, or it wasn't considered a baby, it was a fetus, it was a health condition of the mother, and so on and so forth. People like to use that, and that's an extreme, but it's also possible. It's also possible. What if the person who found the cure for cancer never was born in order and given the opportunity to do so? 
And you could say that about anything, about curing disease, about inventing something that would change the world. Or it could just be a, a, you know, a, a local talk show host who happens to be able to reach and have some sort of influence over, uh, over, a, over a large number of people and the way they see things and the way they live their lives and the good that they do. Um, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. And that's why you err on the side of life. And that's why we are praying that the Supreme Court justices will be touched by God. And they will indeed rule favorably here. And Roe versus Wade will indeed be overturned. And we will then turn it to the people in every state to work with their legislatures to get it banned altogether. Because we don't know who we are taking away before they're ever given a chance to make a difference in the world. And please, please do not misunderstand. I was using the story that I just told as an example of different ends of the spectrum, if you if you will. Not comparing a local talk show host to somebody who could find the cure for cancer and saying they're on the same level. In fact, just the opposite. Something as extraordinary as and powerful on one end to versus somebody who is a little tiny, minor character, uh, a public a public um, a figure to a to a small extent who may or may not be able to to affect some change in any way, shape, or form. So I'm using those as polar opposite ends, not to compare one to the other. Please don't think that I'm that uh, that vain. Uh, but like I said, for better or worse, you're listening to this program because someone chose life, and that matters. I'll be right back. Okay, 958. Uh, real quick, I was caught off guard by the caller who asked me about the gala coming up on uh, December 16th. Uh, I was trying to remember off the top of my head, so uh, I hope I did a decent job of it, but here's the specifics on this. Jim Renacci will be there. This is uh, going to be the Northeast Ohio Conservatives Christmas Gala 2021 with guest speakers Jim Renacci, Max Miller, Bernie Moreno, Mike Gibbons is a 99% lock that he will be there, but I can't say 100% on that one. And I have been asked to give the keynote address that night, and I will be honored to do so. It's at the Lavera Party Center in uh, Willoughby Hills. Uh, tickets are available uh, by, uh, it's a tough website. It's, it's geogaccc.square.site. Try to remember it. It's geogaccc.square.site. Tickets are $55. Special table, table pricing is available. They'll be giving away an AR-15, other basket raffles as well, as we celebrate Christmas together with strong conservative values. Join us. I am uh, very excited to be a part of that event. Um, TJ's in Cleveland. Hey, TJ, go ahead. You're on the air, sir. Yeah, you know, Bob, the returning soldiers from Vietnam were labeled as baby killers from the left. Yeah, now, to put things in perspective, uh, since then... They have murdered, the left has murdered, more babies than Adolf Hitler, Joe Stalin, Mao Tse-Sung, and Genghis Khan put together. And they had the audacity to point at a soldier and call him a baby killer. I loathe these people, and I've loathed them ever since I come home from Vietnam. You know, I mean, it, it, this, this is disgusting. And, and you look at the figures, they have murdered more babies than every dictator in history, including the Roman Empire. 
Yeah, it was. Um, you know, obviously, I was too young for this, uh, uh, TJ. Uh, it was. Uh, t- it was horrible, Bob. I know. I know. I mean, but, the, I, but I've studied my, I've studied us, my history. The stuff they and tagged I've... us with, and you know, I'm going to tell you, I can honestly say, me or any of my fellow soldiers I knew, never, never intentionally killed a baby. And I'm not saying there was not collateral damage done, but right. nobody did it intentionally. No, and, and, the, uh, and the stick that kind of stigma on us makes me sick to my stomach. And that was just the anti-war left uh, that was doing everything they could to demonize in the same way they did. And thank you for the call, my friend. God bless. Uh, and and the same way they tried to to demonize those who fought in the Iraq War as well. Uh, they tried to claim, you know, because you remember uh, the prison uh, Abu Ghraib and everything else, and some of the things that came out. Uh, you know, they basically demonized all of those soldiers as well and uh, tried to tried to judge all of them by the actions of a few in a few circumstances. And what they did to the Vietnam soldiers coming home and the way that they attacked them as baby killers and more was simply unconscionable. It is a very, very sad time in this country's history. But sadly, the people who uh, the people who engaged in that anti-war slash anti-American soldier propaganda campaign are still alive today. And they would do it all over again, and that's the sad truth. Thank you for the call, my friend. We'll take a time out here for news. Come back on AM 1420, The Answer. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.